Welcome everyone to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and with me is Tony and Anthony, and I had to say it really quickly. King of the Arm, that's me. You always gotta say something stupid, don't you? It's more like Angel here, Spaghetti. (laughs) He could have just, you could have just said, you know, instead of Lord Udon, you could have said Noodle. Why don't we armed, start calling him olive oil? Noodle armed Udon man or whatever. Something I don't know. Something other than Lord. Take that out of there because you're not a Lord. Well, that's not up for you to decide. Oh my gosh. Shogun Mushu. Shogun do you rule me and take okay, away okay, my lordship? Okay, let's start over. Folks, welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Shogun Lord Wolf of the Paranormal Realm of Roundtable. I'm Dr. Professor Lord Udon. Oh my gosh. See what I'm working with. Anyways, folks, people are asking me about the Facebook. Join the Facebook group. Also, if you send me a friend request, it's on hold right now until we can kind of, we're trying to stop the trolls and everything, and then we can get back to getting people accepting friend requests. Also, the if you're listening to us on YouTube and you know you listen to the live streams on Fridays and Sundays... Just be patient. We're going to get back to the giveaways. <clears throat> we had to put them on hold because of all this stuff going on. But here's the thing. Friday night, we do a, a live stream. For those of you on the podcast, you're missing out. Check out the live stream. The live stream gives you three hours of content. Every Friday, we have a guest, and they talk about this kind of stuff. And you will um, – if, if let's put it this way. If you don't listen – you're missing out. That's you all really I can are. Tell you. You're really missing out on because a lot of content. Even besides that, guess I mean, even on Sunday we do another uh, live stream. Live stream, and then that's just pure stories. That's just mm-hmm. us, yeah. me, Wolf, and Anthony just sitting here talking about the stories. So yeah. that's really similar to what a lot of Retailing people like encounters on yep. Tuesday. Yeah, just more in depth, I guess, and I, I guess a little bit more like Longer. where we sit. And you'll discuss it a little more and kind of go into deeper thought about it, which we kind of don't really get to do on the Tuesday show. So if you're into that kind of thing, definitely check out uh, the Sunday show. Just stop by and check out the Friday show as well. You might like that one as well. And people there seem to have fun. So I'd recommend Yeah, you get to get in the live chat. Yeah, and talk to them. As long as you're a subscriber, you get to get the live chat. And, you know, it's free to subscribe, like and subscribe. And uh, just like I said, join me on Instagram. I'm Josh Turner 940 on Instagram. Tony, what is yours? I am PRT Mushu. Um, you can find me there at Instagram on as uh, and fa- on Facebook as well. And yours, Anthony? My Instagram is, uh, I think you have to type in Mexican jumping meme to find me. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> That's that's us. <laughs> Go check out his, his uh, Instagram. Uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I forgot that that's what it was. Uh, there's but, a, uh, yeah. a very professional one. <laughs> my very company professional one. I'm an uh, Anthony's. So, so yeah. Uh, okay. Then we we have we're we're on Instagram. We're we're on. I don't do Twitter. We're we're yeah. on uh, or X. Is it called X now? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't do. I don't do it. But we're on Facebook. Go to Facebook and join the group, Paranormal Roundtable Facebook group. We have a prayer group. We have a, uh, uh, I think it's like a holistic healing medicine type group, whatever that Nelly created. And she has Paranormal, she has Paranormal Lounge. And that's got a lot of people too. And our friends in Humanoids, Bart and Nelly with the Humanoids or whatever, we're admins in that group too. And a bunch of other groups. I'm not going to name them all. But that being said, go to the, go to the PRT merch store and get you one of those new zip up hoodies that everybody's asking about. There was Nelly's idea once again, just like the board game. Also, the board game's about to uh, we're going to we're going to be uh, accepting 
donations and and uh, investors who want to invest in the board game. I know it's going to be a big hit, just like the books. Check out my books, Werewolves and the Dogman Phenomena and the Bigfoot Phenomena. Both of them have really good ratings, 4.8 on the Dogman book, and then on the Bigfoot book, it's 5.0 stars. But the, uh, the the people that commented on the the werewolf book, there were two of them that gave me a one-star rating. One of them just doesn't like me, and the other one absolutely hates me. And I know who it was because he talks the way he types. And so we know you did it. We know you did it. Um, and you didn't even read the book. There was not even a verified purchase. It was just an anonymous member. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we know that we know who did it, and and it's already come out. But other than that, everybody seems to be pretty pleased. Go check it out. Check out the books, and it's a good way to support the show by getting a hoodie or a t-shirt or whatever. But or also you can, getting something as well. I mean, that's I think that's what we love about that is that you're not just you know we're able to give you something for and you your advertise donation. for us. Yeah, yeah, and then also if you if you go and you join the Patreon, the Patreon ten dollar, twenty, thirty, and forty and fifty dollar tiers. If you want my books for the Patreon, you got to get into the $40 tier, which you get one of them. You get both of them if you get the $50 tier. And of course, you get an autographed book from one of many authors for each tier. And you get more swag as it goes up. After the $30 tier, I believe, you get, I think after the $30 tier, you get a, a if we have the hoodies in stock, we'll give you a hoodie. Not one of the zip-up hoodies, but you'll get a, a hoodie. Uh, if we have them, I think we're supposed to have them like what, De- December 5th, something like that. We're going to have them inside. I think so. Okay. So hopefully that, that point, and then we do the giveaways on, on, we're going to start doing the giveaways on Friday nights. We're going to start doing those again. We had to put those on hold. Like I said, there was a big mess going on with these trolls and whatever. It's kind of died down now. Hopefully it'll stop. I mean, there'll always be people popping off and coming back and whatever. We get a lot of hate because people don't like when you're doing good. It's as simple as that. I can't tell you anything different. Um, but we have a lot of love too. A lot more love than we have hate. And tonight we're going to have a show we're going to do. It's This is going to be... Pretty I've creepy been, one. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. We've talked about this and, and we, I think if you're listening to the live stream, we've mentioned it a couple times. This is a story. I'm going to get right into it. This is a story that comes from an area of Mexico. Now, Mexico has states just like we do. And one of them is Durango. And Durango is where this story hails from. Uh, the people that told this story, they were from a small town in that region. And they they worked in the, at their uncle's uh, junkyard. It was the family business. And one of the things that I can tell you about this story is when I was in my study and they were giving me this story, I saw something and I don't know if it had, if it's, I mean, if it was just something that just happened to happen, like just happened to be there or if it was from when they were talking Now these guys, Ramon and Alonzo, we're going to call them Ramon and Alonzo. We're just going to go by that. They were taught. One of them was talking to me at this point. It was Alonzo who was the one I talked to the most, but Ramon was the first one to reach out to me and the older brother, Alonzo, sort of completed the, the the journey for me. And it was the second time we had talked, and this was back in September or uh, August, right before my conference. And I just remember sitting there and he was talking to me and I thought I saw something walk like really quickly. You know you know how our, our house is built, like there's the washroom and then the, the guest bathroom, whatever. Yeah. And then my studies kind of back up in there and I thought something moved really quickly and I was like, whoa. 
and it was tall. It wasn't like it was on. It was bipedal. It wasn't like a, an animal, you know, like a, one of our animals. Yeah. And so that creeped me out. And I told Alonzo, I said, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we gotta put this on hold. He's currently living in Arizona. His brother Ramon is still living down in Durango and dealing with this situation. Um, this has been their family business since their grandfather. Okay. And these guys are in their thirties, you know, and I think Alonzo's 35 and his brother's 33. Then they had another brother who passed away in a car wreck uh, and he died at the age of 27. So it's, it's really, it's really weird what happened or what's happened to them. It, it, to me, it's, it's almost like a, it's not, I don't want to say it's a familial curse so much as like, maybe it's just an evil place. But uh, it's 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 a really weird place, and they, their family business was a junkyard, salvage yard, tow yard, whatever you want to call it. And they also worked with scrap metal and stuff like that. And and so for for three generations, that's been in their in their family. Their dad, who passed away in 2017, he is no longer he was he was no longer with the business. He had quit a few years before. Because of something that had happened to him there, and he was just tired of it, he was done with it. But I, I don't know. I, it, you know, when you look at this situation as an outsider, it was almost like anxiety, feeling the anxiety from the stories that they were telling me what they went through. And it's kind of like you know, if you know, you ever seen that movie Pet Cemetery? You know how Pet Cemetery they bury the pet there, and something happens. It's almost like something happens. They 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 put these cars there, right? And then something happens. It's like something makes it, it's like the, the the land itself was cursed. And and I think that when when their grandfather started doing it, it was just kind of by accident. There was a small junkyard there that his friend ran, and it was just a dumping ground ran by the 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 region, you know, whatever. And he decided to take it and 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 buy the the land and take it over from somebody else who was just kind of using it and as a caretaker. Things work differently down there than they do up here. And so he paid the tax and took it over. And then their grandfather came into the business. Now, the first thing that happened, their their friend their grandfather had a friend named Julio. And Julio it, it was really weird how it happened. Like his grand, their grandfather came to work one day with another friend and they found Julio slumped over in a chair. They had finally started to grow the business and they got a tow truck and they were starting to do something with it, you know, and they had a friend of their, a cousin of theirs who had lived in the United States here in Texas and who had gone down there to help them. He lived in Brownsville. And so they got it going, you know, and, and, they were just about to buy another one and then expand and, and they just kept expanding, you know, like like making more room. And this it wasn't a real big place at that time, but their grandfather's friend, uh, they he found him slumped over and he was dead. Now, I'm sorry, their grandfather's name was Julio, not not the friend. The friend the friend passed away. Um, I think his name was like Esteban or something. And so he passed away and they never did figure out what happened to him. He was only 32 years old and they come in and he was dead. Now, the rumor was that he was dating a woman who was said to practice brujeria. Now, a bruja is somebody that in, in Mexican culture is like a witch, right? And they think that that what happened was he had a heart attack, but he was only 32 years old and he was in great health 
and the guy was like he didn't really have a bad diet he was he didn't he wasn't a big eater there was nothing that could have would have you know precipitated him just falling over dead he was slumped over in his chair and that was it so his grandfather ended up being kind of tasked with having to pay the taxes on this place and 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 they were behind on the rent and stuff so he ended up uh, getting the money together he talked to some family members and some friends and they all kind of chipped in and they helped him out and he was able to purchase you know his partner's part of it and then he took over and then the rest is history by his own words to his son which would be Ramon and Alonzo's dad he did not want the business it was not something that he wanted but he didn't really it was a, it's a very poor region and he didn't have any other alternatives and so he thought you know, it was kind of dumped on him. Yeah, it was kind of dumped on him. So he's like, "Dude, I'm just, I'm just gonna have to do it. I'm gonna have to take care of it." And so that became his life. And so until the day he died at the age of 79, it was his job. That was his life. And <clears throat> he taught his sons. He had three sons and a girl. And kind of funny because their their dad, Alonzo and Ramon, who would this is their their dad's dad, but their dad had three sons and a girl, just like. So that, that was like kind some. of a weird coincidence. Yeah, it's kind of, and, and the ages were very similar, only like maybe one or two years off, in, you know, in age differences. Yeah. So their grandfather, Julio, we'll start with him and his, his first encounter. They had two junkyard dogs that they used to keep chained up, and they were Dobermans. And I guess at some point there was a break-in or somebody had come in and they had stolen some things and the dogs – they, the chains weren't long enough, I guess. So they unchained them and allowed them to roam free. And about a week after the, they had decided... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Then after the break-in, whatever, they had decided they were going to get a third dog. So what ended up happening, they go and they find this rotty mix that was really, really mean. And his name was Devil, like Diablo. That was the name of the dog. And that dog... Uh, did not get along with the other two, with the Dobermans. And so they they immediately fought with one another. But they decided, I guess, that the dogs kind of just decided to stay into their own separate areas. They were all males, unneutered males. I mean, you know, it's going to happen. And so they just were like, look, these are just junkyard dogs. That's all they are. They're literal definition of a dog that protects the junkyard. That's all they are. Um, and so he comes to work one night on a tow. He brings in a vehicle that had been in a wreck. And now this is a wreck where someone had died. Now this happens because in, in there was one area of the junkyard where it was there for people who had, who had died in, car, in, in the car wrecks. And they kept those vehicles in a separate area. Yeah, it's very common. Yeah. And, and so it was basically like the area, it was just known as the the, the death area. Like yeah. that was where they kept them. Like they, in a hospital, it would be a morgue. Yeah, area. they kept them in a separate spot. And when Ramon and Alonzo were young, their uncles had told them some weird stories, their dad too, 
that they had basically avoided that area. When they would go play, when they were young, they would see things there. And we'll get into that in a minute. Their uncle Angel had said some really weird stuff had happened to him when he was a kid. Um, uh, it's just so much information. I got to try to remember it all. The, because, but, the, but the first thing that I remember them telling me about their, own, their grandfather, Julio, he was coming in on a tow on a, with a vehicle where somebody had passed away. And he said, you could still see the blood in the vehicle, everything. It was, it was a mess. And uh, he says, as he's towing this vehicle, he sees a woman in the vehicle and she's crying. And he goes, when he looks, he's like, whoa, what the heck? And so then he looks back and she's, it's gone, she's gone. So he tows the vehicle in. He gets out and he starts to lower the vehicle and put it where, you know, in this spot. And he's like, you know, which, which is customary. They, the next day he comes back, he goes through the vehicle to see if there's any belongings or anything of any value. And he finds a picture of a woman in the, in the glove compartment with a man. And it, he recognizes the woman. He goes, that's the woman I saw crying. So he does a little digging and, and finds out from the federales that that woman, she's the one that had died in the wreck. So that was really creepy. And like he said, is this the woman? They said, yeah, that's her. And I don't remember her name. He, he had told me the name of the woman, uh, Alonzo did. But it was very uh, creepy. Like that was the first thing that their their grandfather, had, they remember, had told them about this whole, you know, just what what was you know what was wrong with this place? Well, here's what happened that night when he was dropping that vehicle off. He sees this big black dog come around the corner. And this was the night of the of the of the wreck or whatever. And he said that it was for him. It was only like his second or, or third. He couldn't remember uh, wreck that he had recovered of a vehicle where somebody had passed away or a woman had passed away. And he said it was, it was something was, it hurt their grandfather like it hurt him, you know, like he didn't, he didn't like women or children being hurt, you know what I mean? And so he remembered it very well. And he always said like, you know, if it's a guy and they want to drive stupid and crazy and get killed, that's one thing. But women and children, it really sucks. Um, and, and at that time in Mexico, way back then, not a lot of women drove. There was a lot of men driving, but not a lot of women. And so this woman died in the passenger side. And she was survived by her husband. So she took the picture. He found the husband, gave it to her, but that, but gave it to him. But that night, this, there was a dog that showed up and he was like, who are you? He had one named Monstro <laughs> and then one named Diablo. And then another one um, that he called Madman. And that was just the, the, the names. Very fitting names. Yeah. And he called him Loco, whatever. And, but, uh, so there was this, these, these three really mean dogs and he goes, they're nowhere to be found. You know, he knew them all very well. They were cool with him. Um, but this dog appears and it, and it looks kind of like one of his Dobermans, but it's not, he can, he can just, he can tell it's not even in the dark. So he grabs his flashlight, he shines it on him and this dog is, is, he, the dog looks like it's missing part of its uh, side of its face, like the flesh. And he's like, dude, it looked like a zombie, like a zombie looking dog. And then he starts looking around to see where the other dogs are and why they're not barking and why they're not whatever is happening here. This dog had red glowing eyes, or I should say a red glowing eye because one of the eyes was missing. And he said that 
he told his grandkids, he said, man, this dog had me cornered. I wasn't going to get out without a fight. So he looks around and he finds a piece of metal, like a piece of rebarb, and he grabs it and he starts to, to with that rebar, he starts to try to fight this dog off and he goes to turn and go at it and he hears the growling, but he doesn't see anything. So that was really disturbing. As he goes and he gets to his truck, something grabs him that felt almost like hands around his waist and begins to pull him down to the ground. Once he turns and he looks, he sees what looks like this black dog with this really big head and huge muzzle, but he it's not that where there should have been paws, it looked like hands. Now, this is the part where, you know, why they actually contacted me and then they gave me the rest of the story. But I was thinking, whoa, what is this? Is this like a, a dog man type creature or something? And as it starts to pull him down, it, it reaches over like, and it like puts a claw, like it's claws and it had claws and it went right into his chest and it ripped a huge chunk out of his right pectoral. Oh. And it ended up putting him in the hospital for like two weeks and he almost died from sepsis. And now, and in Mexico at that time, the healthcare probably isn't the best. So it's like a miracle that he lived. But he, this dog proceeded to bite him, and it, it bit him around the back of his neck, barely missing his jugular and his carotid arteries, and it tore like a piece out of his uh, trap, you know? And so he had big scars. It looked like a, he had been, and, and by Alonzo and Ramon's accounts up to me, they said that it looked like their grandfather had been attacked by a shark. And he would jokingly tell people, yeah, yeah, I got attacked by a shark at the beach, which in reality, it was this weird black dog. Now, here's, here's what's even weirder. The story gets even weirder. He fights it off. He gets away. He's bleeding to death, literally. He gets in his truck and he drives out of there. He doesn't see the dogs. The workers come in the next day. And what they find in one of the vehicles, they see a, a chain hanging out of one of the vehicles that had, that had had the engine and everything removed from it. And they look inside and they find one of the Dobermans wrapped up in a chain like it had been killed. And that was very disturbing because they were just like, what the heck is this? And the way it was wrapped up and the way, and, and then it had like this weird like stuff had been stuffed into its mouth, like like hay and like an egg. And so they recognize it as some sort of like brujeria, like there's something going on here. So when he went to a colandera, a colandera to try to ask her, like his wife encouraged him, said, go, go to our friend. She's a colandera. She can help you. That's a healer or whatever. She's kind of like a what they consider to be like a good witch. But she says, she says, somebody wants you off of that property. He suspected that it was the ex-fiance of his former partner because according to her, he had promised her that property if something were to happen to him. They think that it's a lie, but she had what turned out to be a forged document with his signature on it, his former partner, and but it was typed up. And they didn't present this for like months until after he had passed away. So what what I think happened and what his grandsons think happened was they did some sort of blood magic to create this creature or to conjure it. And what they did was they killed this dog. They put it, you know, in, in, in they killed one of the dogs. 
they put it inside one of those cars and it was used as a blood sacrifice to create this dog, this black dog that even had like human-like arms and hands to attack him. And it bit him and it almost killed him. And he fought it off and it was jumping up into his truck and he kicked it out of his truck and it tore his work boot off. It was steel-toed boot. It bit through the steel-toed boot. This thing was supernatural. <clears throat> but once he got, and he said his, and when he was driving out of the junkyard, he's like, dude, I, I drove right through the fence is what he told his grandchildren to get out of there. And then his door was, was, was swinging open. But the amazing thing was the other two dogs were unharmed and, you know, they don't know where, he doesn't know where they were during all this or how they could have been asleep. They were very protective of him. He'd had them since they were young, except for the, the Roddy he had it when it was about six months. So he just like came back and there they ran up to him and then yeah like, they knew him they knew him very well. Typically junkyard dogs because yeah, yeah, our great like uncle had people, a junkyard. Anthony, person. you remember that? And yeah, he had two junkyard dogs if I remember correctly. And they they were when I was a kid and they were friendly to him. They didn't like you. <laughs> yeah, like they usually are like very specific. Yeah, they they only They're like one or two people raised that, that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not their job to like people. Mm -mm. It's actually their the opposite of their job. Yeah, and so, so what ended up happening? That was the the very first like like really really uh, powerful incident, I should say, like like dramatic. You know, it was a very powerful thing to him. It it, it set the tone for that place. And it, the grandfather tried to sell it two or three times and couldn't get rid of it. Everybody was like, "It's haunted. It's got bad energy." Blah blah blah. He had a guy that was working for him that wanted to buy it, but then guess what? He comes into work one day. And guess who he sees? He sees the the former partner who had been dead for two years sitting there in the chair looking down at the at the phone. And he was like, he walks in and he's like, dude, what's this guy doing here? You know? And so he freaks out. And he walks back out and he calls Jose, which is Julio's brother, his younger brother. And he died mysteriously too in the junkyard. Another thing that happened in the junkyard. They don't know how. And so anyway, he calls Jose and he says, hey, man, you know, I just saw Julio's partner. <laughs> I don't want to work here anymore. Goodbye. That's it. And he had been saving up to actually buy the business from him until he saw that ghost. And then he was like, I'm done. I don't blame him. Well, Jose, Julio's younger brother, uh, was doing his rounds one day. And he comes back and, and Julio said that he was just white as a ghost. I mean, literally, like he's like, dude, there was no blood in his face. And he looked like, he said, I'm about to pass out. He goes, I just saw a man sitting in one of the, the cars in the death zone, as they called it, the, the dead area. And he said, and, and when I walked over to the guy, I thought he was somebody that was in there looking for scrap or something. He's like, I walked over to the front of, this is, this is freaky. This is the part when Alonzo was talking to me where I saw something in the house. Um, and I did. I saw something like walk by in front of my study like real quick when I was when he was telling me this part. And I had to take a break. So I, this part freaks me out. He walks. So his brother, uh, Julio, which is the grandfather to get young men that were telling me this. Well, they're not young men, but they're not kid. They're not uh, old men. They're in their, their, their mid-30s. But Alonzo, the older brother, was telling me this story. And I saw something. And it was right when he was telling me about his what his what his great uncle saw, which was his grandfather's younger brother, who helped him with the business. Another person who thought about buying it and was like, "Nah, I'm good. I don't want this." 
Um, he walks over. He sees this guy sitting in the car with his hands up on the steering wheel, and the horn is going off like. Bah. So he goes over there, and he's all like, "Get that ass!" Like, what is this? You know, what what are you doing? Like, and the guy is sitting in the car, and he's like, he he looks over, and the guy's mouth is wide open. That part of his face looks like it's torn off, right? And then he looks, and the guy, he's just like his mouth is open, like he's screaming, and he's gripping the steering wheel real tight. And he's looking at this guy, and as he's looking at him, the guy turns and looks at him, and then begins to like bellow loudly, just ah, like you know, just screaming at the top of his lungs. And the horn, he's screaming so loud that he's screaming over the horns, and he puts his hands over his ears, and he's just like, "Stop, stop!" You know. And then eventually, it stops, and he closes his eyes, he opens them, and there's nothing, no sound, no guy, nothing. It's just gone. And so he runs back, you know, across the junkyard, whatever. And the dogs would avoid that area, the the death zone. And so he went back and he ran up inside the trailer and he tells his his uh his brother, he says, Man, I just I just saw something. And he said, dude, my brother looked like he was about to to pass out. This is what he told his grandchildren. And he said, <laughs> funny thing, Ramon said, yeah, you know, at Christmas, we would sing Feliz Navidad, and then we would tell ghost stories about the horrific things, and Grandpa <laughs> And my abuelita, that's your grandmother, would tell my abuelito, you know, stop telling these children this stuff, this is Christmas. And he's like, yeah, I know, I'm giving them gifts, and I'm giving them gifts of horror stories. You know, and so he's like, my grandfather would just tell us these stories, you know, and he goes, and when we were kids, we thought, I, I mentiras, you know, he's, he's over here. He's crazy, you know, and, and we didn't believe this stories, you know, whatever. But then we were little, you know, he said, when I was about six or seven, I was, I was hitting rocks with a stick and I was wandering around. He goes, and my dad always told me to stay out of the death zone, stay away from those cars. He's like, and I wandered around, and, and he goes, I got along really good. They, at this point, they had a German Shepherd by the time he was born, and there were there was a German Shepherd, and then there was another Doberman, the original dogs from his grandfather. They were long gone. Grandfather had it for like two decades or something, you know. And he's like, I'm walking around, and he goes, and then and my little brother was was you know little bitty. He was two. He was a toddler, and he said, and, and one of and my cousin Miguel was with me, and we got separated. And I was walking around, and I was like, Miguel. Miguel and we just I couldn't find him and so I go I walk around and I end up in the area where the death zone is and he goes and I hear hey come here and he's like I'm thinking there's somebody calling me and he says it sounded like another child but he knew it wasn't his cousin his cousin had a very he's like my cousin had a very whiny voice kind of like (laughs) he says little cousin was was a little older than him like two years older than him but he was kind of like in his own words, kind of studious, like a nerd, you know? And he said, my, my cousin was kind of dorky, you know, but he had a little whiny voice, you know? <laughs> and and this this voice sounded like another child, but like, like, you know, maybe a little older than me, but like a boy. And he goes, and I look up and I see standing on top, there were like three cars stacked on top of each other. He says, and I see this little boy and he's like, hey, come up here and play. And he looks up there and he's like hitting rocks with a stick or whatever. And he goes, I don't know why, but I just, he goes, I just had this, this, this instinct to like hit the rock up in the air toward the kid, not hard, but just to see what it would do to the kid. Because he goes, part of me knew that this wasn't a child, not like I am anyway. 
And so he hit it and he goes, and, the, and this little boy just put, put up his hand and the rock flew back and hit me in the face. And he said, and it gave me a little cut, cut over my left, over my right eye. And he goes, and for the rest of my life, I still have it. And he's like, he was telling me about it. He said, I almost put my eye out. And then he goes, I, I started crying and I'm on my knees. And this little child comes up to me and says, why did you do that? And I look and there's this kid, this barefoot child who couldn't have been more than maybe, you know, five or six years old, a little smaller than me. So, but the voice, he goes, it sounded like a young teenager's voice. So the voice didn't match up to the child. And he says, and I sit up and I'm like, you cut my eye. And he goes, well, you tried to hit me with a rock. Why would you do that? And he's like, I don't know. I just wanted to see what would happen. He goes, and now you know what would happen. You know, you know what happened. <laughs> he goes, and then this, this little child decides to pinch me in my arm so hard that it drew blood. He goes, and I yanked away from him. And then I tried to swat him with a stick and I look and he's gone. And then he turns around and he sees this man who is dressed like in a white short sleeve shirt and he's got no jaw. And there's just like this blood all over his chest. And the, he said, the guy's like, he's trying to talk, but it just sounds like, uh, uh, you know? And so then he takes off running and then he goes further into the dead zone and he ends up in this dead end. No pun intended. It was a dead end. And he goes, and I have to turn back around and I look and I see this dog crawling up out of the sand. Then it looks like it's got human-like arms with this dog head. And he goes, at that point, he goes, I just started crawling up on top of the cars. And then I get up to the top of the, there's like three, they're stacked three high in this one area. He goes, and I look down and there's no dog. There's no man. There's nothing. He goes, but then I get up to the top and then it's kind of liberating. He goes, I get up to the top and I look around and I can see in all directions of the junkyard and I see my cousin, Miguel, and I'm like, Miguel. And he's caught in this area called the maze. Now, it's really just a maze. It's like you just kind of have to memorize it and figure your way around it. And it's not the dead zone. It's not scary. You know, it's like really there's no stories or anything from there. He just said that it was just the way they stacked the cars. Yeah. And so he sees him across the junkyard. So he throws a rock, a little pebble that he had in his pocket, and he throws it across the junkyard. And he says that it bounces off one of the cars. And then his cousin sees him and he says, I'm up here. And he waves. And then his cousin starts making his way towards him, and then he stops, and he tells him, he goes, no, 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 I'm not going over there, because he knows where he's at. So his cousin starts yelling to him, come back, come this way, come out of it, come out of there, you know, whatever. And he says, yeah, you're right. And it's getting dark. So then he looks down, and he's like, I have to go back down there where these fantasmos are, you know, ghosts. And so he starts to cr climb down. He gets down to the second tier, and something grabs his leg. And when it does, it yanks him. Awkwardly, he falls backwards, and instead of falling to the ground, it pulls him inside of one of the car in the car on the second level, which is smashed in. And there's just enough room for him to like kind of be stuck inside of the car. And he's like, "I'm a little skinny kid," and I'm looking up. And the next thing you know, the car starts to compress down, like it's trying to crush me. Oh no! So then. He said, at that point, he goes, I just closed my eyes and I started crying. And now another thing too, their mother had died when he was real little. His mother had died the year before. He was like five or something. And he said, dude, I hear my mother's voice. And she's like, mijo, don't cry. And he, pulled, she, he looks and he sees his mom's hands. He goes, I'll never forget. 
it looked like my mother, my mother's arms, hands, whatever. And because he remembers her like holding him when he was a kid. And he goes, I just instinctively knew it was her. And she pulled me out and like set me down on the ground. He's like, and I just thought maybe I had fallen asleep in one of the cars and I had dreamed it because I, I when I get down to the ground, it's dark. And he goes, and it was probably a good 30, 40 minutes till dark. And it was summertime. It was hot as hell. And he goes, and I thought, what the heck? And then he goes, all I, all I hear is my dad's voice and my grandpa's voice and my uncle and my brother. And they're all looking for me, my brother, I'm sorry, his cousin. And they're all looking for me. And they're like, where are you at? And he goes, and I was on the ground and like, I was literally underneath one of the cars. Like, I guess I had crawled underneath one of them and fell asleep. He didn't know. And so he's like, I'm right here. And he crawls out and then he, he, they, they grab him and they take him out of there. And he tells these fantastical stories of what had happened to him that day. And his grandfather just said, look, I told you to stay away from that area. There's a reason why we don't go to that area. And, you know, over the years, they would have some really weird stuff happen. Like he started working there and driving a tow truck and doing all this stuff. And he ended up going to the, to the junkyard one night by himself, which happened. You know, and the dispatch guy had, had his wife was having a baby, so he had taken off. So he told him, he said, "Hey, and they would see some weird stuff." Those dispatch guys. So he told him, he said, "Dude, you're, can can you take over for me for a couple hours?" He says, "Sure. If I get a call, I'll just lock up and I'll just go and pick up whatever I need to do." And so he goes into the junkyard and he's by himself, and he's walking and he hears something, somebody whistling, and he hears keys rattling, <clears throat> and he stops and he turns and he looks. And he sees this guy just walking along, just like he's like everything's normal or whatever. And he's like, Well, wait a minute, wait, a minute, who are you? You can't be in here. And the guy goes, Oh, I work here. And he's like, No, 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 no. You don't you don't you don't work here. And then the guy says, Yeah, I do. And so he just like he's like turns the corner and starts to walk off like he belongs there. So he goes to follow this guy and he looks and he's gone. Well, he goes into the trailer and he calls his grandfather and he gives a description of this guy and he goes, I just ran into this uh, dark, like really dark skinned Hispanic guy, you know, whatever. He says, my grandfather was, was wet or very, very light skinned, you know, like they, they always teased him, you know? And he said, this guy was very dark. You know, he goes, and I told my grandfather, he's like, he was, he goes, what do you look like? He said, the opposite of you. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. And he goes, Oh, he goes, I know who that was, who that is. He's like, that was the guy that was the assistant of the person that when we, when we got the, when we got the place, you know, he's like my partner who passed away, you know, mysteriously. He's like that guy, that was the assistant to the guy he bought it from. And he goes, Oh, what's he doing here? He goes, well, he's dead. So he was just like, Oh my gosh. Then there was another tragedy that happened there. His grandfather comes in on, on Christmas day and the dispatch had been shot and killed. And they never did figure out why. And they honestly think it was something to do with the authorities, maybe because he owed this cop money and they never could figure out what it was. The uh, guy. Yeah. Huh? I was just going to say, oh, yeah. And in Mexico, the, the cops aren't the same as they are over here. Yeah, they're, they're not. They don't give a crap. Yeah. Okay. They're just like people. They're like. Glorified security guards to get paid, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, very, very mysterious. He comes in, he's been shot in the heart and, and in the head. Uh, very gruesome. His grandfather finds him that way. Uh, 
for about two years after that, people that worked in there in the building where the dispatch was would hear somebody talking, you know, like there was an argument. And then one of the girls that worked there, yeah, there was a female that actually was brave enough to work there for a few months. She wakes up to what she hears, what sounds like yelling and screaming and then a gunshot. And she wakes up. Wide awake, she hears a second gunshot that rings in her ears. Now, that would be freaky enough on its own. But there was another guy that worked with them. And he heard the same thing. Like this guy, Alfredo, he heard the same exact thing. Gunshots, screaming, whatever. And what's even creepier about that situation was when that when when that when that guy heard that that was back in the eighties he recorded it because it was happening like nightly and so he has a part of a recording of it now I, I didn't hear I didn't I don't have a a whatever but I did hear a sound clip of it what sounds like an argument in Spanish and then a gunshot. Now, I know that doesn't prove anything because anybody could fake that, but these guys told me, look, this is what it literally sounded like. And so I actually got to hear it. Um, and I'm not going to play it because, I mean, like I said, people could just say, well, you just made, that's just made up or you made it up or they made it up. So there's no point. It's kind of like pictures. Uh, but anyway, the point is that that I did hear the clip and it is very creepy. And it sounds like somebody being murdered. I mean, it really does. It's what it sounds like. But of course, you know, like I said, they could have faked it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's real, but I mean, I don't believe that they faked it. I believe that I believe what they're telling me. And having talked to both of these guys, they each had their own horrific incidents that happened when Ramon was a little older. I think he said he was like nine or 10. Um, a couple of friends of his, they were playing soccer because in the middle of this place, there's it's kind of open, you know. So they were kicking the soccer ball around. And, you know, the area where they grew up in wasn't the safest, but they, they had these three dogs there and they had people with a gun, you know. So they could go in there and play and it was safer than being outside. And so they would go and kick the soccer ball around and him and two of his friends and one of the, the balls rolled underneath one of the cars. Well, when he was little – it was his job, you know, he was the youngest and it was, it was his two friends and a cousin and they said, go get the ball. And so he said, okay. So he runs over there and he's like, this wasn't the death zone. It was just a, just a regular area, but he goes to crawl up underneath there and he sees at the end of the, the car, at the, at the back of what was this car, look, what looks like a snake. He goes, oh, he gets scared. And then the next thing you know, he's crawling out from underneath it and he feels two hands on him that grab him by the wrist and began, and he can't see anything, but he feels it. And it just begins to drag him under the car and pulling him toward this rattlesnake. And he's sitting there like, and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs and as he's getting closer and closer to the snake, the snake coils back and it's trying, it's getting ready to try and strike him. Then his friends come running up and he's like, help, help, help. So they grab him by the ankles and start pulling him out. And then whatever it is, let's go. And he hears like this laughter, like this demonic laugh. And they pull him out from underneath the car. And they're like, what happened? He goes like, there's a snake under there. And then they see the snake slithering away. And so whatever it was, was trying to get him bit by that snake. And so as they got older, they were in their teens and they decided to have a little fun. And they decided to go 
and have Dio de los Muertos, we know what that is, is, is Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. And they had a little get together or whatever, and they had the, the face paint and all that. So they invited like about a dozen of their little friends, and they were teenagers, and they decided to go and hang out in the death zone. Wow, they never learned. So so they took their friends and these girls over there, to, and they said that it was supposedly haunted, and these girls were like, well, I want to see a ghost. So they take them over there, and they're drinking and hanging out, whatever, and nothing's happening. So for like an hour goes by, so they start taking sticks and banging on the cars. I see no way this can go wrong. (laughs) It's a smart idea. I see nothing wrong with this plan. So they decide to start banging on the cars with sticks and making a lot of ruckus and saying, hey, if there's a ghost here, come out, show me, show yourself. That doesn't do anything. So they just keep drinking. Um, And then they decide that they're going to take rocks and break out the windows and stuff of these cars. And one of the girls gets kind of separated from the rest of them. She don't even know how it happened. And she's over there, like, her name's Gloria, and she's throwing, I remember, because they, they a couple things happened to her. So she goes in between two rows of cars, and she's laughing and having a good time, and then she turns around, and there's no sound. There's nobody, there's no other car, rocks being thrown. She doesn't hear anything. She's all alone. There's nothing there. And she's like, oh, crap, where am I? Why? Where are my friends? And then they hear, she hears this. She hears, Gloria, like a female. And she turns, she starts looking around, and then she hears it again. She hears, Gloria, like closer, and it's a female's voice. And she's like, who's there? And then she she feels something touch her shoulder, like grab her shoulder. And she's like, she told Alonzo, this was Alonzo's, he didn't call it his girlfriend. He said it was his love interest. So I don't know what that means, but okay, whatever. But he says she turns around to look and she sees this woman who basically had like half of a head. And like she looks down and she sees like there was no pinky all the way down the arm. It was just gone. Like that part of the arm was gone. And she turns and she looks and she starts laughing like, ha, 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 ha. And it sounds like a guy's laugh. And she says that she tries to get away and she's just holding on to her shirt. So she starts screaming and screaming and screaming. And this specter, whatever it is, just holds on to her shirt as she's tearing her shirt off. And she's like, it was very embarrassing because by the time that she had gotten away from this entity or whatever, she didn't have a shirt anymore. It was just shredded and torn off of her. And so she has to run out of there and try. And then she's trying to find her way out and she gets dizzy. And falls down. And then when she did, she sees this like black arm that starts grabbing her from the the dirt and starts trying to pull her into the dirt. And she starts kicking, screaming, and flipping around and just throwing dirt everywhere and and just crying. And dirt's getting shoved into her mouth. She don't know how. And then she looks up and she's surrounded by all her friends. And they're like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? And she's just laying there kicking around, (laughs) screaming. And she's like, oh, my God, there's an arm on me. This woman tried to grab me and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? Like, like you just walked off for like a few feet from us. And they saw her flipping around and tearing her shirt off and then throw herself on the ground and start spinning around in circles. And then she tells them this wild tale of what just happened to them. And they're like, what? Like, we watched you just like tear your shirt off. Like, 
You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. to them, yeah. they didn't, they were just in it shock. Was like she was in a separate realm. Like, what are you doing? You know, like what's wrong with you? But when they were leaving, her friend Maria told her that she did see her shirt kind of being pulled, but she didn't know because she'd been drinking. She didn't know, you know? And so Gloria goes home and she's like, well, thank God that's over. No, she goes to sleep. She wakes up and there, there's like these two, what she says were like giant hands on either side of her midsection and they were pulling her into her bed. And she said the bed was almost like, she told Alonzo, the bed was almost like it was fluid or liquid and she was being sucked into it. It's like some Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. stuff. So, so, so then she wakes up like from this dream, right? She thinks it's a dream. She wakes up and she looks down on her, on her abdomen. She goes to the, the mirror and she sees like handprints on her left side, not on the right side, but just on the left side. And so she calls her boyfriend or whatever and tells him, she's like, something's really wrong. She's like, and, and then while she's walking by the, her mom's bedroom, there's like this dresser there with a mirror. She walks by it and she looks and she sees somebody walking behind her that looks like that woman that she saw in the junkyard. So then she just drops the phone and takes off running out of the house screaming, runs right past her little brother, who I guess she said was like sitting there playing video games or something. And so he goes out and asks her, you know, what's wrong or whatever. And she's freaking out and screaming and freaking out. And that night she, she had, she had been up, she didn't get very good sleep. So that night she goes back, she goes to bed, she falls asleep. She wakes up, she's on the couch and she don't even know how that happened. She had fallen asleep in the bedroom on her bed, wakes up, she's on the couch and the TV's on. And while she's watching the TV, the TV is just static and it starts to talk to her. And it starts telling her, Gloria, like, we're not done. We're not done. And so she's like, what the hell is going on? So then she gets up and she starts trying to turn the TV off. And then she goes and she unplugs the TV and it's not working. And then she wakes up again and she's in her bed. If I remember correctly, she woke up again and she's on the floor next to her bed. So she's all turned around, doesn't know which way is up. So she tells her, her, her well, she, you know, Alonzo, her love interest as he says, but tells him, Hey, there's something going on here. I'm having dreams. I don't know what's real and what's not. And so when they went to their grandfather, or I'm sorry, the grandmother, she had something very interesting to tell them. She told Alonzo that when she was younger and she first started dating their grandfather, that when she was in the junkyard one day, her and her, her and Julio, the grandfather, had gotten into a fight. So she went into the junkyard to get away from him, and he was running around looking for her. He wasn't; they weren't fighting like physically fighting. But she's like, I was basically being a brat, and I just was mad. So I went and I pouted, and I went and I sat in one of the cars that was broken down. And she said that when she was sitting there, she sees a light shining from one corner of the of the uh, parking lot of the. Uh, yeah. Sorry. And she's like, and I see this light. And so I get up and I kind of start wandering towards it. And she's like, this is only the third date we'd ever been on, but we had an argument. And she's like, of all things, he's throwing a temper tantrum over a soccer game <laughs> that was on the radio. And she, she made fun of him. So he got mad. He had a temper. So he threw a soccer ball and broke the radio. And then she's like, oh, well, way to go, dummy. That's real. You know, and he goes, 
He goes, what do you know? You know, blah, blah, blah. Starts telling her a bunch of crap how she's stupid and doesn't. So she goes, instead of just leaving, she's like, I wandered off into the junkyard to make him go find me. Big mistake. So she says she goes into that area, which she did not know was the curse zone, right? She walks into the junkyard following what she says is, is a light that was on. She gets to this one car and it's kind of off by itself. And she said that it was like a really old white and red car, but it was really nice looking. It looked like it was in nice condition. Didn't look like it belonged there. And she's like, I didn't know where I was at. So I go and I sit in the car to kind of hide. She's like, and the lights were on. So I thought, oh, this thing, you know, it works. It works. So she tries to turn the key and it, and it works. Like it comes on. And she's like, when it does, she's like, the glove box kind of just fell open. She's like, I reach over and I look and there is a photo of a family. She's like, when I see the photo, I start looking at the photo and I'm thinking, wow, that's crazy. She's like, that looks like my mom. That looks like my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister and me. And she's like, she's staring at the photo and then she hears like this cackling laugh and she looks up and there in front of her is this woman who's standing there and like, looks like half of her face is gone. She's missing part of her arm and she just looks decrepit and, and creepy. And she's like, oh my gosh. And she looks down at the photo and the photo of her and her family and everybody in the picture, they're, they're all just laying there dead in the photo. She, she throws the photo down. She's like, Ugh, what the heck is that? Then she, she smells like what smells like rotting flesh and then hot breath on her neck. And she looks up in the mirror and the girl that was standing in front of the car was sitting behind her and grabs her by the shoulders and tries to hold onto her. She tears herself loose from this woman, finally, and gets out of the car, falls onto the ground, breaks her uh, uh, shoe trying to get out, crawling on the ground, and then this, this woman gets out of the back seat and slowly starts walking toward her and starts grabbing her and says, no, you're going to be with us now. You're going to be with us now. You're going to be with us now. And she's kicking free, kicking free, and eventually... Julio finds her and he's like breathing hard and he's like, what are you doing? And all he sees is her kicking and flipping out and whatever. And for the next like three days, she goes home. She won't talk to Julio. She won't. He tries to come by there to give her flowers. He doesn't want to talk. She doesn't want to talk to him. And at one point, her mother comes to talk to her because she wouldn't eat. She wouldn't do anything and brought her some caldo. You know what caldo is, right? Yeah, just and, soup. Yeah, and soup and whatever. And uh, But hey, at least it's not uh, menudo. Oh, yeah. Why eat menudo when you have pasole? That's all I'm going to say, folks. I'm not going to go any further. But anyway, so so she goes in there and she, and gives her some some caldo and says, here you go. It's like, you know, boil, boil caldo, whatever. And she's like, you know, she's like, you need to eat. You know, you, you, you haven't been eating, you know. And she says, while she's talking to her mother, she looks down and she notices her mom keeps scratching. And she scratched so much that she could see the bone on her right hand. And she was like, mom, what is wrong with your hand? And she's like, you really need some oil of Olay. No, she didn't say that. She didn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, you need to really moisturize. Like, what the heck is going on here? Let's get some CeraVe on those hands. <laughs> is that eczema? <laughs> so she, so she, her mom's scratching her hand and, and she looks up and then she says, oh, honey, don't worry. It's going to be okay. And while she's talking to her, a spider crawls out of her mouth. And then she, 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 le she throws the food on the ground. She leans back in her bed and then she wakes up and she's like, 
sitting there on the floor in her in her room, and she's like looking around, and there is a bowl of soup on the ground. She goes and she looks for her mother, and her she tells her mom, she's like, I don't know. I woke up with soup on the ground. Can you tell me what the heck happened? She's like, I don't know. I brought you some food, and I set it by the bed, and you told me to go away, and so I did. And she's like, you need to do something. You need to, you know, take a bath. <laughs> you need to <laughs> fix your hair. You need to go out and do something. It's been days, and you're not doing anything. You're not eating so she had gone through this same thing. So she tells Alonzo, her grandson, she's like, you need to go and talk to your girlfriend or whatever she is to. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I need to go and talk to her. Well, this is a really sad part right here. The, the, that day, Alonzo goes over there to talk to her. She had taken off with some friends. One of the friends had been drinking at a party and they got into a wreck his love interest, as he called her. Um, I think what he was referring to was like, she was more than a girlfriend. Like, I think it was like, he really loved this girl, you know? But the problem was he had never told her, hey, I want to be with you. He just treated her like she wasn't as important as she was, but she died. And uh, that vehicle ended up in that compound. It was a very sad thing. But, uh, yeah, that part was kind of hard. And um, he's like, he does the, the rest of his life, you know, he ended up going, going to Tucson and meeting a woman and, and getting married. They traveled back to Mexico and stayed there for a few years and then came back. But uh, it, it, it was very poignant at this point in the story. He was just like, you know, I just, he's like, um, you know, stuff happens, you know. And the creepy thing was not him, but his brother Ramon, who was bringing a vehicle in one day, swore up and down that he saw her, Gloria, and that she was sitting in a car just kind of staring off into space. But it wasn't the vehicle that that she died in. So I don't know. It was a weird thing. His brother, his brother said for a long time, this is when I talked to him, he said I'd never told um, my brother. Never told Alonzo what what I saw. He's like, until years later, you know, he was already married and whatever and had a daughter. And he said, you know, I always wondered about that because it changed him in a way that nothing else could. And he said he became more sullen, but then also more driven and more direct. She had more of a direction. And he made up his mind, you know, that he was going to put himself into his work, save up and move out to the States where one of their uncles lived. And talking to Alonzo like about about that situation, I was like, "How did you feel?" And I asked him this. I said, "How did you feel when Ramon told you that he had seen Gloria?" He's like, "I wasn't surprised because sometimes I would feel her presence." He's like, "But I just every time I hear anything about her, he goes, I just feel this deep remorse and sadness." And it's he goes, "It's been all these years, and I can finally talk about this," you know. And I felt honored that they were willing to talk to me about it, you know? And it was a fellow, it was a, a listener of the show. They weren't listeners of the show, but they told him about the show and they said, yeah, you know, there's these guys that do a show, Tony and Anthony, and then they have this other guy that talks a lot. I don't know about him, but no, I'm just, <laughs> but uh, they were, yeah. And so he says, you know, I wanted to give you my story and he felt like I was a, a fellow Latino. So, you know, he wanted to give it to me. Um, and I also think about this. I think about Armando. 
And, you know, I'm going to be real honest. I'm going to say something right now. When Armando left the show, you know, at, at the end of 2019, I was aggravated with him, you know, because he had a lot of different excuses until I kind of finally figured out why he had done it. Because he didn't really tell me, you know, and now he's passed on. But this is a story that he would have really liked to to tell because he was doing a lot of work and trying to get the Latino community more involved in this. And I think we finally managed to do that in some ways, make inroads with the Native American community, the black community, the Latino community, um, and even the Asian community. And, and and I think we've done a really good job of that, you know, and, and, and that's not like we're not believe me folks we're not virtue signaling here we're not social justice warriors no it's just that and typically within these communities it's kind of taboo or forbidden off limits to talk about these things and they're really not addressed Mm -hmm. and the europeans from europe they're like that too yeah like phil stern from germany you know just talking to him to talk about it Mm -hmm. um you know and then our friends from sweden i mean you know it's just not something you know other than like i'd say the Caucasian people from America <laughs> who are just like, yeah, let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. But now you're finally starting to get, in particular, Hispanic females, like really starting to talk about it more and being more open about it when traditionally, especially in the Mexican community, like the females were the ones that were like, don't talk about our theas, our grandmothers. Oh, yeah. They didn't want you talking about this stuff. And they were just like, you shouldn't have a show like that. You shouldn't talk about this. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have all these things crawling around on you because you're talking about a lot of stuff. So... Anyway, I mean, there there are some other things that went on, but that's going to have to be for next week. I'm going to throw them in there at the beginning and then do sort of a paranormal potluck. So, folks, thank you for tuning in from, from everybody here at Paranormal Roundtable, for Anthony and Tony and me. It was a great story. It was creepy. It was so, a sad story. But very well, sad. It wasn't just story. It was stories, but it was encounters and stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. It was just, it's just heartbreaking to think, like... Having experienced that, and it's going to yeah. sit with me. It's one of those that just will sit with me for a while. Yeah, and that, that's we've been meaning to do this one for a while. Probably what two months. Yeah, we were just trying to get all the last details together. Now, there's still a couple more stories from this situation, and we'll tell those next week at the beginning. Um, you know, and we'll see if we have enough to fill an episode. If not, then you know we'll we'll finish it up. We have some stuff that we can throw in there. Um, But uh, yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday. And don't forget, we're on Thursday and we have uh, interviews that we do on Thursdays. And and that's the hour-long podcast uh, interview, you know, whatever, on YouTube and Spotify and all those great channels. And then we have, or platforms, I should say. And then we have Friday, the live stream. We have a guest on Friday and we're going to have another amazing guest on Friday. They're going to talk and tell their stories, their encounters. And then Sunday, we'll retell people's stories and encounters. We just keep going. Just keep going. Christmas time, right? Everybody, right? Okay, folks. So thank you for tuning in to Paranormal Roundtable and good night. <laughs>